0: Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Sixana, a pediatrician and mother of four, who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Beating the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Sixena. Make sure and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcast so you don't miss an episode. On today's episode, we're joined by my good friend, Ashley Brain. Ashley was the author of a very popular blog entitled Baby on the Brain, where she talked about her experience raising three boys that started out as angry, colicky babies, um, and then went on to talk about her experience being diagnosed with breast cancer. Today, she's cancer-free, and joining us to talk about her the life lessons that she learned through her journey through motherhood and cancer. We also talk a little bit about what we're grateful for this year and our favorite dishes to eat on Thanksgiving. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Ashley Bream, you are one of my dearest friends. Uh, you sure. are also one
1: of my dearest friends. Definitely. So we don't usually talk with village. the microphone we between don't, us, but I but do. We don't, but I like it.
0: It's fine. Okay. So, I have known you... We. Like twelve-ish years, so I first met Ashley when I went to a New Year's Eve party uh, with some mutual friends of ours. We came to a party at your house, um, so I'd have to say New Year's Eve is probably not like when I'm in my best form. But I feel like we became <laughs> nor best are any friends. of us because um, we both had little babies mm-hmm. at that time. So mm-hmm. you were like one of the few people I kind of met in my circle that had a baby, and I feel like when you go out for what had to have been maybe the second New Year's Eve. I had celebrated since having a baby. Um, it's kind of a big deal.
1: Yes, it's huge. Everybody else, like they can do that on any Tuesday or Thursday, and you know we're like planning for it for weeks. So yes, yes, it was wonderful. It was awesome, and I do remember that you and you and your husband were looking to move back to Nebraska, and we talked about houses, and yeah, it was just. I mean, you're an easy person to like, so. Oh, it was. <laughs>
0: well, thank you. Well, same here. So I feel like we kind of became, we started, when we moved back, started kind of hanging in the same circle. And I have to say, I've been in love with you, really, since that New Year's Eve party. Well, agreed.
1: Agreed. It's a mutual admiration club or whatever they call that, so uh, no. But
0: can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I always joke that now, like, I've, I've called you my most famous friend. <laughs> but you have had... Um, I mean, you've just kind of had an interesting route. So, can you tell me just a little bit about your life, or tell our listeners?
1: I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't find myself that interesting, but I do appreciate that. From well, person. and that's one of the things
0: I love about you is that um, you just are downplay everything. Oh but. gosh.
1: Well, uh, I, uh, my husband and I are both from Nebraska. We met in college at, at the university, and um, I always joke that like he was the first guy that I really dated um and within like two weeks of meeting him I was seriously like and we're getting married (laughs) so um that worked out great because we're still married and we've been married for about 16 or about 17 years I guess this year and um there's been nothing like I always say there's nothing like really remarkable our life is very ordinary and normal like midwestern couple both came from what I would say like families that were both, you know, two-parent homes in the Midwest, in the 80s and 90s, both have siblings. We're both youngest kids, which is not supposed to work, but I think (laughs) it does. Um, But we had just some weird things, like our, each of our boys were born early. Um, When I was 17, I was diagnosed with chronic hypertension. And um, for those who aren't aware um there's like different types of high blood pressure that affect pregnancy in different ways and for me they kind of knew going into pregnancies that it would be difficult for my body to um uh, I would just say like help the baby thrive throughout the pregnancy so I was really closely followed um through my pregnancies and then when the baby kind of stopped growing in me they'd say okay it's time to get it out and so, uh, our oldest Barrett was born just four weeks early. They induced me and but he was four pounds nine ounces, and then our second uh Jonah was who's two and a half years between the two um was kind of same song different or same song, same verse because he was born at 36 weeks induced. And he came out, he was our biggest baby at four pounds, 11 ounces. Dang. I know, right? <laughs> Tipping the Be scales, sick. right? <laughs> and then um, our third son, Harrison, um, they induced me at 32 weeks with him. Um, just again, my blood pressure was just skyrocketing and they couldn't control it. And I was super lucky. He was perfectly healthy. He was just tiny. He was three pounds. So we stayed in the NICU with him. Um, that was all just crazy. I did not enjoy having infants. Right.
0: So, well, I think that brings to, so you, you stayed home with your kids. So I did. I did. And what you did during that time, besides taking care of all these babies, is you had started a blog. Mm-hmm. And did you, you started it when Barrett was born is that
1: right i joke that i started i was like a mommy blogger before that in my opinion before like in the midwest at least it was really a thing and i don't mean i'm like a trendsetter it was um i was pregnant and we had a bunch of friends that were living in other places and family and i said to adam i think it'd be fun to blog we should do it together Mm -hmm. so that's how it started and i had the idea going to work one day and I thought it was genius. I thought, I thought I was the like punniest person that had ever happened. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I came home and I said, to Adam, okay, I've got the name of the blog. And I was like eight weeks pregnant or whatever with my first. And he said, okay. And I said, baby on the brain. Because <laughs> our last name is pronounced brain. Yeah. But if you look at our last name, Brem. Brem. Yeah. It's B R E H M. Everybody says Brem, like, you know, like and I say it's like the Canada A, you know, E H A. Brem. I'm like Brain. And uh yeah, but then so everybody so I started this blog and it was on on Blogger. So at the yeah. time it was just like whatever.blogspot.com, yeah. you know, and um when I started it, even my <laughs> my parents and Adam's parents would say like, well, the next time that you write one of those things, why don't you send us where to go to find that? And I'm like, no, it's like all on one, you know, like place. It's like the actual web address. i mean, trying to explain <laughs> well, it to we people. we were all just getting used to the internet. So right, <laughs> but it's just so funny because that was just, that was 2008. So mm-hmm. the fact that it's that, that everything has changed that much. I mean, I guess that makes it sound like, I'm one of those old people that's like, oh, ten years ago is 1990, but right. you know, totally. But yeah, so I started blogging, and um, then I just kind of kept blogging. All through well, it, it.
0: kind of—I mean, it took off, and we can talk about later when it probably really took off. But it—it it was pretty popular, I would say, even yeah. early in its in its stages. But like, I remember like reading your blogs way back in the day. It's like, like you said, we had we had kids around the mm-hmm. same time, and you were my good friend. So I just loved it. And I just always loved how real about things you were. Hmm. And like you said, you had these little babies and that was not
1: like your favorite
0: (laughs) stage of child rearing. Um, And so I feel like I, I mean, everyone has their challenges. I
1: I like finally think of over the guilt of that, but like for a while being around people who love the infant stage, I did feel really Bad because I'd be like, oh, the little aliens, the devils, like you know, <laughs> and I feel bad about that. But
0: well, I don't think I mean you shouldn't, for I, right? Sure, I don't
1: need more. I'm I'm okay with that. You
0: had small colicky babies, yes, right?
1: Yeah. What did you say?
0: Little angry, angry babies. Little angry
1: babies. Yeah. And
0: I feel like that was also one of the times. Like I was a pediatrician at the time, so I would I would take care of parents that had <laughs> colicky babies, but. I don't think I ever understood like what an evening with a colicky baby was until you guys brought. What well, maybe it was Jonah?
1: Yeah, over. One over. Time.
0: And I remember like thinking, yeah, of course, you know, like in the evening, babies get fussy, mm-hmm. and I knew, you know, I didn't really have colicky babies, but I was like, oh yeah, that's super everybody has like the I witching hour. That's. Or whatever, yeah, the little right. witching hour, and they're like just grumpy for no reason, and you're like, oh, that's so hard. And then you guys brought Jonah over, and I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God. And you guys are just smiling, like going on with life. And we were like, oh my God. Like, I, so you really contributed to my education because I was like, oh, yeah, I see why people lose it.
1: That's okay. And (laughs) it should be told that I'm mildly obsessed with your podcast, obviously. Like, uh, I mean, you know that I text you like in the middle of listening to an episode and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this quote. I love this quote. But there was the very first episode and you said the best thing you said, you know, before becoming a pediatrician, I thought I knew there was, I I thought I knew everything there was to know about babies. And then I had babies and I realized I didn't know anything, basically. That's what you said. And I remember hearing that from you. And again, I already think you're brilliant, but I was just like, Yes. I mean, don't we all have that moment as parents um, or whatever uh, role we're playing in a kid's life? Maybe not a parent. Maybe it's a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a, I don't know, a friend, a neighbor, where you see somebody else's child and then you realize, oh, wait, 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 wait. Every kid is different. (laughs) Right. Oh, okay, So like that's wild. But I mean, we're all different.
0: But I think that's just it. Like you have to. It's so hard if you don't live in it or have like the yes. firsthand experience. And we all go into parenthood with these preconceived notions about how it will be, how our children will be, how we will be. And at least for me, none of that really has played out as I thought it would, for for good and bad. Like yes, better and worse for sure. But I th- just think
1: you can't. You can never know until you know. Well, and I always what I appreciated about. When you know, having a friend who <laughs> was a pediatrician and had seen babies, um, I appreciated seeing too how laid back you were with your kids, so that also kind of helped me because I think sometimes, as a new mom, like for my kids, I was doing this whole MSPI diet, like yeah. so, not th- I feel like sometimes people say this is a Midwestern thing. Would you agree with that?
0: Well, obviously I only ever lived and like doctored in the Midwest, but I had heard the same thing too. And I do think it's something that uh, is overdiagnosed because I think, and I, you know, I think especially back when our kids were little, it was, it was kind of like, oh, your baby's fussy or poops a lot or pretty much anything. And it'd be like, oh, well, let's, let's try this exclusion diet. Right. And so new. So my oldest actually ended up having just a milk protein intolerance. Oh. Um, it And I only found out about it. I remember taking him to his first pediatrician appointment, and we'd had no problems. Or it wasn't his first. It was probably his two-month checkup. I don't remember exactly. but. We're in the doctor's office. I'm waiting for the doctor. Of course, he takes a giant poop because that's what happens <laughs> while you're like. And I also remember I have to I just have to tell you this story. It's totally No, I, I want to hear it. I remember it. taking him like I think it was one of his first doctor's appointments and of course, you know, I was still you're very anxious and I had put all this pressure on myself. I'm a pediatrician, right? Like I should be able to mom like <laughs> a rock star. But of course, it's a shit show.
1: Yeah, you'd never like had your own human to actually no, like. You no. No. And I was just for. like, oh my
0: god. So I remember, like, uh, the other thing, too, that you do when you have a first baby is you dress them like, you know, little men, and, like, it's all
1: about the outfits, and it's so much fun, My right? third was wearing, like, we called him Hugh Hefner, because all he wore was footy pajamas for the first year of his life, <laughs> and then after that, like, that's all he wants to do is wear pajamas. But, but the first one's, like, yes, bow tie yes. to, like,
0: everything, right, yes. to Target, so I was like, you know, you, you, all day, this is the big event, we're taking you to your first appointment. I have the little perfect outfit, I have them all dressed, and I'm just going to change his diaper one time before. Which, of course, he proceeds to pee all over said outfit into his ear. Like, he's here, his, I actually see his, like, ear fill with urine, right? And I'm, like, horrified. We are going to be late. And, of course, I have to Looks take, like he's got an ear infection. Yeah, he got, like, <laughs> an ear fluid. <laughs> and this adorable outfit I changed <laughs> him into. is just soaked, right? And I'm, like, oh, my God. So I'm, like, frantically trying to dry out his ear and, like, you know, like, I'm the worst mom ever and we're going to be late and this is terrible. <laughs> so that's just the precursor to how we, we arrive. So I'm sure we arrived late and my pediatrician was actually like my um he was kind of one of my teachers so that was the clinic where I worked as a resident oh that, man that's
1: even more pressure. right so
0: I was like really wanting to impress him with my parenting skills <laughs> so we get there and of course then he like poops himself well and so I'm trying to I open up the diaper and it's like full of blood
1: and mucus oh, I was gonna say mucus like stringy yeah looks like snot yeah and so
0: yes like we come in and, I'm, and it's the first time this has happened and I'm like holy crap right and so he's like any concerns and i'm like just this (laughs) like that just happened right and this guy is just like you need to calm down but so we that's that is usually what i would use as a pretty clear sign that there's likely something in and i was breastfeeding at the time and so he was like okay this is a pretty good sign that he's got mspi and um, so he was going to start me on like Nutramagen or some. Mm-hmm. You're very familiar mm-hmm. with all these. Um, kind of an elemental or a hydrolyzed formula. So the other thing about me, I think at the time, too, is I was, I was going to do my own
1: thing. <laughs> right. So I was like, I don't know about <laughs> that. And that's different from now, we yeah, think. That's not no. You never
0: out. No. OK, so that's just a personality trait. I do not make a very good patient. We'll just put it that way.
1: I think that's all right. It it is I mean, I like it again, as a friend, because you're the doctor, but you're saying like I'm also going to use my own instincts.
0: I yes. Yeah. So what ended up happening well, so I'm a, I'm a resident, first time mom, breastfeeding and breastfeeding was not ever easy for me, <laughs> right? So some people I would be in awe of these people with these freezers full of milk and that's just never been me. But, of course, I was still, like, pushing myself to breastfeed because, mm-hmm, of course, mm-hmm. that was the right thing As to do. As we are supposed to. So, but then you take your life that you're already
1: struggling, and then you're not allowed to eat anything. Well, and you're a resident. So yeah. So, like, where – What? how many hours are you working? You're I was working, feet, like, 80 hours a
0: week. I mean, it was terrible. So – Yes. So I ended up like realizing, so I was like, well, I'm just going to see if he, because we are supplementing with formula. Mm -hmm. And also like the hydrolyzed formulas are really expensive. Uh, Yeah. So, and you know, we're just poor residents. So I was like, bought the soy formula just to see how it goes and ended up just only eliminating dairy Dairy. from my diet because also soy is really hard because it's in, (laughs) like, you don't realize that soy is in all the foods we
1: eat. Everything. Until you're looking and you're Mm -hmm. like, are you kidding me? Like, but you could have one kind of, you couldn't have soy protein, but you could have soy lecithin. Like there were like all these little caveats to like, this is okay, but this isn't or whatever. Totally. Totally.
0: So, I mean, I guess my point is not necessarily that you shouldn't listen to your doctor because you should, and I'm not suggesting everybody. Um, But going back to your point that I think that it, it made me, again, the experience of that made me more sensitive to not just throw out that diagnosis because that becomes a very real yes. hurdle and challenge for parents.
1: Right. Like, and a lot. Similar, you you hit the nail on the head, the cost of the, I think Ella Care was the one that they had recommended for us. Um, and so I'll say, so because our boys were born at that, the size they were, not necessarily the gestation, but the size, um, they, our pediatrician was phenomenal and I love her to this day. I mean, again, we, we were in for weight checks twice a week, every week for the first, I think probably six weeks. We had a scale at home um, to weigh, you know, between feedings, um, things that like Again, I understand why we had to do it, but I also, those are all make you obsessed with every mm-hmm. pound, every ounce, not even a pound. A pound was thrilling. Like every ounce you're trying to, and I was trying to sustain the babies with my breast milk because um, for, in, in a good way, my mom is a huge proponent of breastfeeding. She had breastfed all three of us kids in the 80s, which some people say is kind of rare. I don't know. I think that
0: was like the day and age of
1: f- like formula, formula. right? Like what an awesome And she option. always says like, I wasn't going to breastfeed. But then she did and she liked it and felt like it was easy. Um, it, I wasn't like breastfed till I was older. It was just the first year or whatever. Sure. And then she, she was done. But um, I decided, OK, I'm going to breastfeed the boys I'm do my best and but the way that it worked is we would and I know a lot of moms go through this so I, I almost hate talking about it because I feel like I'm saying well mine was so much harder but it, it wasn't it was just this was the devil we knew was mm-hmm. I would um, we needed to feed them every two hours um, and if you are if you've ever had a baby around you know that feeding every two hours means that you start the feeding yeah. from the time that you began the last feeding not the time you ended the last feeding right so if they feed um and again with our first it was uh we didn't know really yet that we found out later with our third that the longer that you're feeding a preemie they can start to lose weight eating because it's so much work for them yeah they burn a lot of calories yeah Mm -hmm. so like it would be okay you're definitely going to feed them at least for 20 or 30 minutes and then after that you're gonna pump Mm -hmm. and you're going to pump so that way you have milk to supplement them when you need it but also so that you keep your production up because they're small and they're not eating as much Mm -hmm. as they need to so it'd be do that then pump for 20 minutes and then we'd wash all the pump parts and during the time and because the baby was refluxy and spitty and everything and crabby adam my husband would do what we called the nighttime dance or the (laughs) daytime dance when he was home i mean when i had the boys adam went back to work you know what five days after we had him right. i remember i was like what the actual hell has happened he <sharp inhale> gonna leave me alone with yeah this <laughs> i'm like excuse me so no so uh he ended up um keeping him upright because we didn't want him to spit <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was like this obsession with everything that had to do with his weight mm-hmm. everything that went into my body i was terrified about I had such horrible postpartum anxiety um, at the time. I don't think I knew postpartum anxiety was a thing. Mm-hmm. I had heard of postpartum depression, which I would be happy to have. I I went into my six week appointment and I said, I think like I need something. I think I'm there's I'm not myself. Yeah. And my uh, midwife said, you know, well here's this like test you can do or whatever. And I did the test and she's like, well you I mean you don't. Like you don't seem to want to not be with your baby. You don't seem to want to hurt your baby. You don't. There was all these right. things, I guess, that maybe are like the red flags of postpartum depression. And I didn't have those, but I was so s- terrified to leave him, and that I mm. uh, that I wasn't sustaining him right. I was so worried about if I would eat something. I read every label. So the what mm-hmm. what they ended up having me do was take out all dairy, soy, corn, wheat. What was that? Gluten. I mean. And um, right. I was for a while just eating, like, turkey and green beans. And I, I don't really like either of those things on a daily basis. Yeah. So, you know, the feeding of the family at that point was literally, like, whatever I ate was going into him. And that was my first introduction to this is – I can never make fun of another parent who, like, you know, doesn't want their kid to have this or have mm-hmm. this because I was obsessed
0: Well, and I think that that's a huge point because then we wonder why we obsess about food and feeding our kids and all those things later in life when like from day one, especially if you've been told and and it could very well be very important and true at that stage of their life. But like at what point do we let go? Like if you've already entered that mindset and being so aware, then you wonder, you know, why do people get so obsessed with these things? And it's like, well... We were already conditioned from day one, right? And, like we haven't been able to cut ties
1: with that way and of we, thinking. We didn't do the reason we did not do formula was primarily because we knew it would be five to seven hundred dollars a month for mm-hmm. formula, and I was staying home, and it was not something we could afford. I mean, could we have like I've heard of people saying we took out a loan, we took out a second mortgage, or whatever to pay for formula. Um, I think that's a really unfortunate part of our society is mm-hmm. even moms who again fed is best right and yes. so it's like even moms who want to give kids formula don't always have access to that formula yeah and so they're left with breast milk but maybe like you said maybe it isn't it doesn't come easy to them Mm -hmm. maybe they like me have a situation where they're saying like this is not actually the best thing for this baby's tummy Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's the feeding i have found through you um and talking about nutrition and feeding and such with kids and then my sister-in-law um does a lot with eating disorders and body image and i think through both of you I've really formed how I feel about how I talk about food and eating and um, health of kids and how they move their bodies and everything because I just think the messages, by and large, like you said, from the moment you have that baby and you're at the hospital, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I just think we go home with messages that food needs to be something that is the number one priority, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: period. And so it, it takes any joy out of it at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty stressful. Yeah. So I want to revisit what you just yeah, said. sorry. But no, um, but I do want to kind of... Probably on a forward. million
1: tangents. I apologize. No,
0: it's it's amazing. I think it's such good information, and I appreciate you sharing. Um, but I want to... So we were talking about the blog, and I kind of alluded <laughs> a little bit about how it got more popular in later years. Right. So I would be remiss without mentioning that, what, five years ago? Spend...
1: Six years since diagnosis. Six years ago, yeah. you
0: were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. So can yes. you talk to me a little about how that went and
1: yeah, the story um, behind that? Well, I do think, I don't know if this will make the cut, but I do think it needs to be stated that um, another very special tie that I share with <laughs> Kristen is that um, because of meeting Kristen and her husband, I do believe that I get to stay here today. Um that
0: that feels like a stretch but not
1: well a lot of saying? a lot of forces at work i guess <laughs> that all have played in very well together but um i mentioned that i had, had had chronic hypertension since i was 17 and so when i met your husband who at the time was practicing cardiology mm-hmm. he said you know i you need a really good You need somebody who's really going to do a good job of making sure that your preventative heart health is very good. Um, But I don't think that you need to pay to go see a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. You should see my mom. Mm -hmm. She has a family practice in town. And so at that point, I and I had bounced around between some internal medicine guys here in Omaha and hadn't found one that I really clicked with. I mean, again, walking in, I had every test done. Yes, like I tried the DASH diet for anybody less. I tried all the stuff to try to get my blood pressure to be normal, but it mm-hmm. just wasn't. Um, I remember my first reading that was high was 150 over 110, and I was 17 years old. And um, that's what my genetics kind of are. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing um, Dr. Saxena. And after I had seen her for a few years, she saw me through a couple babies. She saw me through... She thought she, she she saw me through a very um, difficult lost pregnancy time. Um, and so I had been seeing her and I felt like things were really good. I actually said, I felt like I was finally getting to the point in my life where, okay, I didn't have these angry babies anymore. <laughs> we We were pretty happy with where our family situation had landed with three boys in five or s- five years, I guess, six years. And this doctor, briefly, when I lived in Austin, had said to me, like, because of your blood pressure, you should probably try to not be 30 when you're starting to have kids. Mm -hmm. You should probably think about having your kids when you're in your late 20s, at least, uh, maybe early 20s. And so that set into motion that we had the boys. We were very blessed to have them when we did. And then I was seeing Dr. Saxena. I went into her um, in late August of 2015. And I had my two youngest, uh, Jonah and Harrison with me. And she, I said, you know, I have getting my blood pressure checked, but also I found this lump Mm -hmm. in my, in my breast. And, um, I actually
0: remember, I don't know if you do, we were at your house and I remember you showed that to us. Well, me. Mm-hmm. I guess you didn't, like, show it to my mm-hmm. husband. <laughs> but I don't want to put you out mm-hmm. there as, like, flashing people at the No, I, that wouldn't but, be shocking. So, But I remember that, too. You were like, here, feel this. Does this feel mm-hmm. weird or whatever? And I remember you actually being like, I mean, it does, but it's probably it's not probably cancer. Nothing. You know, I was, but and I did, wasn't just saying that to, like, reassure you. It was like, no. well, you don't have any family history. You know, you're very young. So don't freak out. Like, go to my mother-in-law and get it checked yeah. out. But I remember later being like, well, I was wrong. you know. No, but we,
1: I, I remember one of the first things I did too was I texted you and three other moms that are my mom friends. And I said, did anybody have anything um, weird like mm-hmm. in their breast after breastfeeding? You know, I had weaned um, in April of that year and then it was August. And so I just remember thinking like, And I I can also recall that I thought it was a clogged duct. Well, I thought that, too, because I was like, oh, I had those. Yeah, I joked that there was probably just cottage cheese left in there. (laughs) Like, i like, it's probably like curds and whey by this point. (laughs) Um, And so when I went in, um, I laid down and she did the exam. And what's so awesome and why I say that I would, why I say she, like, saved my life and, and what she did, Um, how she did right by me is that because I was 33, because I had no family history of breast cancer, I was um, working out every day. I had had these three kids, but I was very active. Um, I was a normal, I think I probably weighed like 130 pounds or something. And um, by all accounts, there was no reason other than this lump that she should have thought I it could be cancer. Mm-hmm. And in again, in our culture in our society right now with healthcare, and this is not like any sort of statement, it's just saying the way that it goes is there are a lot of things you have to do a lot of jump through a lot of hoops sometimes to get the tests that you need or mm-hmm. whatever. I have been so fortunate because I have not had a shortage of access to healthcare. When I had my babies I had three preemies. My insurance covered all of it. Mm-hmm. I was able to have access to great, you know, um, high-risk docs to help me get from pregnancy, you know, seeing the pregnancy, yes, you're pregnant on the stick, to you're having the baby, and, and we're all good. We had a NICU stay that was covered. So we w- we've been so fortunate with that. And then to add on to that, I've had Sandia Saxena, who, <laughs> who said, you know, yeah, we're going to get a mammogram. Yeah. So that day, um, she not only did she say, we're going to get you a mammogram, it was the f- Friday before Labor Day of um, 2015. And that afternoon, I had my mammogram. She came up for that, or she came in for that as well, and then also came in as they did an ultrasound, and they looked at my right breast, and they said, you know, this one looks like a snowstorm. This one does not. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> And um, with, I think, at about three and a half weeks later, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer.
0: So PSA two, I think, is to say like to take those things seriously when Absolutely. you find them, because I think again, like a lot of us would be like, "Well, I don't have any risk factors. I'm fine. I'm sure it's nothing."
1: And I, I think too, you know, my kids were six, four, and two. And so, like I said, I was so concerned with their checkups and mm-hmm. what they were doing. I was lucky that I had a good doctor because I had the doctor partially because I had this other pre-existing health condition, mm-hmm. right, that had nothing to do with cancer. But because I had that doctor and I had established a relationship with her, she also knew my body mm-hmm. and she knew what had been normal and what hadn't. And she knew me and my... <laughs> Um, I don't even know what you want to call it, crazy level of like, she knew when I came in that I was concerned, Mm -hmm. you know? And so even if she hadn't been that concerned, she still treated me for the mental part of it too. Sure. So that's what I appreciate is she's uh, finding a doctor who not only knows like what your body's doing, but is saying, even if the body ends up being okay, if your mind's not okay about it, then your body's not okay about it. And
0: that's that's a whole nother show, Ashley. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. For sure. Well, and I think, you know, that also brings to mind as as like, I mean, we're certainly getting older, but like even as a younger person, I encourage everybody, it can be hard to actually find a, a doctor or a medical home where you, you feel is a good fit for you. Yes. But when you don't want to be doing that is when you're in the thick of... Things.
1: I agree. So
0: I really encourage people to get, you know, get someone, get a medical home, get a physician, you know, like my mother-in-law or somebody that you feel like gets you, knows you, listens to you. And like you said, takes, takes in the whole you. Yes. Mental, physical, all of it. Because like when you're, when you would be diagnosed, that would not be the time in your life to be trying to find that person. And it makes a huge difference.
1: Well, and I think you said it so perfectly, like finding a medical home for your earthly home, (laughs) because this is the only one, you know, your body, this is it. Like if this thing gives out, that's it. That's how that goes. So, yeah, I mean, so that took my life in a totally different direction than um, we were thinking it would go. I said it was like that whole meme a few years ago that was like, you know, when life goes the way you didn't think or when it goes the way things don't go the way you think they should go I just yell plot twist and move (laughs) on you know like (laughs) ooh, something different so yeah so um I started chemo in October of 2015 and then um chemo was interesting yeah Uh, so we did that um and yes people will sometimes say so is this like the type of cancer that where you lose your hair um chemo is the thing that makes you lose your hair (laughs) so so yes yes Yes, it was was. it was that type of cancer yeah Uh Mm uh-huh yeah so um yeah I don't know the cancer thing was a wild ride and you're right I mean that's kind of when um I I had kept blogging I had been blogging all the way Mm -hmm. from from Barrett's birth and all the way through that so um but I'm so glad I had been um because it was definitely like a therapy for me
0: well and I I mean I think I always have loved you since I met you but to me that was like one of the hugest it was just I I just was so in awe of you because oh because no like I always said I mean I I've never that's a horrible situation right like you're young you've got cancer you've got this family you're trying to take care of (laughs) it didn't even happen to me um but like you use that platform to tell your story the whole way through like while you were going through it the good the bad all of it and you put it out there for people and that is very rare and I would follow you on your blog and the responses you would get from people going I mean that to me is when it really got popular because it filled such a void and a need for people going through this same, what can be a very isolating and like scary, lonely situation. <laughs> and so I was just in awe of you because I just thought, what, a, what an incredible service. And to do that, what oh, had to be the worst time of life. Um, so I always called you my ultimate like lemons to lemonade <laughs> person because... It was
1: incredible well and i don't i think it's so interesting every time i hear not every time oh i feel that <laughs> all the time and so, no but when you know you've said nice very kind things like that before and there have been others who have said like how could you know that's brave or whatever and it was honestly so selfish because for me I joked, I said it was like hi or what does Liz Lemon say, like high, f- high five and a thousand angels every day or whatever. Um, it felt like in this time of life that was so hard or could be so hard, I got to see all this goodness from people. And not only did I see, like, not only were my friends like you guys and my, my tight family, as I call you people, <laughs> um just went above and beyond over and over and over again. I say, I don't know how, there will never be a day that I will repay all of you um, for just the compassion that you showed my family and the way that you all cared for me and the way you cared for my kids. Um, And I think that's the thing, right, as a mom, like the biggest thing for me was not to, not to like make my kids not see that it's hard, but to make them see that in all of the mess, there's still beauty, you know? And um, we got to see the real like purity and beauty of the human spirit because everybody was so kind. Like, and that's also, I hate to call it, it's not a gift and I I need to not use that word anymore. But for me, it felt like a gift at the time. Had I been 60 Mm -hmm. and my kids had been in college and I had been... I mean, if they want to go to college or whatever, not going hood. but um, <laughs> if they had been there and I had been um you know working or or home, that gets a lot less not compassion from people, but people are like, oh, Brett, she's got old lady cancer, so you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, it makes it doesn't rock their world the right, way, yeah, but there was something about me being thirty three and having these little boys, and I think that moms specifically looked at me and thought like that could be my life and Mm -hmm. then dad's looked at my husband and thought like I don't know how he's doing it all you know so I think um
0: which he was a real rock star we should shout out
1: to yeah my mother-in-law
0: and your husband (laughs)
1: yeah I mean Adam uh I mean again talking about him like being up with the the babies in Mm -hmm. the middle of the night and being the person that's rocking them and um there's never been a moment of our marriage where he's not just as in it as I am. And it's been like my shit. Do you know what I mean? Like I always say, like I'm the one who had the preemies and couldn't, I said like, and felt like I couldn't sustain them. Right. But he was like right there and same with, with cancer. It's the exact same. And then it's the same in our household. I mean, I was writing a little bit about, you know, our family or whatever. And I was thinking, We have been like meal planners Mm -hmm. together since we got married. We have been, we figure out like, I mean, not like without fault, obviously, or weeks get busy or whatever, but we figure out like, well, what can I do this night or what can you do this night? And I think like that partnership has been huge for all of the things that I've gotten to thrive through has been partially because I have this great person to do it with and who has never, ever complained and never, I mean, I complain all the fucking time. (laughs) He doesn't complain at all. He just steps up to the plate and does it. And so it's all these elements of my life that even when I got sick and got breast cancer, I was put in a very ideal position, (laughs) right? Like, I know that sounds so stupid, but it felt so lucky to me that like, I had all these friends and all this family that were there. And I had a great doctor who found it and said, we're going to make sure you get what you need. And then I had this great team of my oncologist and that whole team that just like rocked it. And that's all the things that had to go right, right? Because if you think about how many things could go wrong every day especially in the human body. Mm -hmm. And the fact that all these things went right and I get to be here, like I'm sorry I'm crying, but it's just, it's magic.
0: It it is actually sometimes if you think about it, it's amazing that yeah. any of us survived ah. at
1: all. Oh, I I, I have a whole thing. I, that I wrote that on. whole thing about like I would have never survived the Oregon Trail. I mean, it's
0: absolutely accurate. <laughs> you
1: have died of dysentery for sure, right? I mean, I like chronic. I'm like I would have died in childbirth. I would have died with like all these things where I'm like I would not have survived, and yet I'm still sitting here. So, I think like that just makes me want to celebrate every day, and not in like a Pinterest way. <laughs> That's great too. Sure. But more in just like a finding the goodness of all the parts. I will tell you though, finding the goodness when my babies were screaming all the time, I I couldn't do that. That was the hardest part.
0: <laughs> For sure. Well, so a question I have is um so did having cancer or going through that has that changed the way you feed yourself and or your family?
1: 100% um People, the biggest question I will get is, so do you not eat sugar anymore? Um, Do you, are you a vegetarian? Are you vegan? You know, what types of things have you cut out? Mm -hmm. Um, My physician and my um, oncologist have both said, you are 39 years old. Um, You now are five years post-treatment and you have to live your life Mm -hmm. you get to live your life um so because for a while I said like I don't know I should I not be like having any alcohol again or anything and again my oncologist was like no I think you might benefit from a glass of wine like every (laughs) once in a while right um so the way that I feed myself um and I would say it goes along with the whole like intuitive eating that Mm -hmm. um one of your guests did talk about intuitive eating as well. And I think with my sister-in-law, I've heard that phrase a lot and it makes a lot of sense to me. And I now know more like what my body needs in order to have energy, for Mm -hmm. instance. Um, I know, I think Bill Esch talked about like food being fuel or, or calories being fuel. And I feel that every day. I mean, I'm definitely, um, I've been through a lot of surgeries. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things they tell you pre-surgery and then post-surgery is protein is like one of the most important things to getting your body and your skin to heal. And
0: I think women in particular, historically. Yes. Not so good at.
1: Yes. Adequate protein. Protein. And because you think like, oh no, I'm doing okay. Like I had a, I had some lunch meat or whatever. It's like, Figuring out the sources of protein I'm getting. Um, I also feel like I I joked um, that my mom, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and my mom like always did, made a homemade, homemade meal. She worked and my dad worked, but we ate at home almost every night. I lived in a tiny town. There was like n- not really any fast food. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but it was a lot of, cream souped casseroles yeah okay and uh there's nothing wrong with which that which are delicious delicious the way, cream
0: of something right
1: always it can be good. the base
0: of something real good e-
1: everything good comes <laughs> with a cream of something soup right but um I would say that I'm very big at this point in my life and with my kids on not necessarily organic foods as much as knowing kind of where my food is coming from so if it's beef Mm -hmm. we buy a quarter cow from some friends because it makes sense we know where the meat's coming from we know kind of not necessarily like again how it was raised or whatever but Mm -hmm. it's local it's closer to us if we think about the way that like cavemen had to eat Mm -hmm. right it was about what they could hunt and gather not what they could have brought in on a ship (laughs) so um i think that has been one of my big things just checking that i definitely do buy a lot more organic certain like fruits and things if I'm going to be eating them like a pear I love like just a good pear yeah (laughs) so like anything I'm gonna be eating with the peel on or something I try to buy myself or my kids more organic or you know um, locally sourced Mm -hmm. and I think though on the flip side like I have pizza rolls in my freezer for my kids because the other part that I know is you can, as we kind of discussed earlier, you can stress your body out with not putting the right things in it, but you mm-hmm. can also stress your brain out, which then stresses your body out if you're overthinking all of it. Mm-hmm. And so there are definitely, it's it's all about balance mm-hmm. and moderation. Yeah. And, um, but I think with my kiddos, it's, they are all different eaters. Each of them are picky in different ways. And um, so it's also not making... A mountain out of a molehill at meals and not like ruining those times where we get to be together as a family yeah because that's the other thing about a meal for me is really at this point meals and holidays and everything are about that we're all together and those times are so limited in terms of like the big scheme of life and so when we sit down for a meal at the table which we do almost every night as a family if even if for five minutes where we're all overlapping but when we do that, it's important to me that we are able to like, enjoy it. Talk about the day. You know, I don't know. We usually sit down, we say what we're thankful for. We do a prayer and then we sing a prayer. So we're those people and then (laughs) the kids eat and we talk about it, but it's so much more about the atmosphere of the table than it is exactly what's on it that night. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about that multiple times on the show Yes, and I think that's right on because all 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 the benefits we talk about with family meals have to do with like you said that togetherness time making it a joyful and pleasant experience Mm -hmm. even more important than you know if we're eating organic pears or Totino's pizza rolls right so I love that um so then kind of as a adjacent question you had mentioned you know you've been through a lot you've been through a lot of surgeries um Did this experience, and it's hard. I mean, also, you've just grown and Mm -hmm. aged. But does this change the way that you look at your own body, also the messaging that you give to your kids about the way that maybe they look at their bodies?
1: I think the first part of it is I try to remind my boys that, again, the body is miraculous. (laughs) I mean, look how much you can do to it, and it will still be there for you. (laughs) Like, that's just crazy. I I mean, if nobody has seen a picture of you uh, nine months pregnant. Oof. I sh- I'll,
0: I'll yeah. include that. I'll because post that. Because, again, but people it, should see that.
1: Yes. <laughs> because also just to say, like, it doesn't, this isn't Hollywood. We don't all just, like, bounce back from pregnancy or whatever. It takes work and effort mm-hmm. and honoring your body for what it is and what it can be and what you want it to be. Um, and so I think, I mean, my most recent surgery, (laughs) Kristen's aware, um, they actually opened up my stomach and harvested (laughs) my stomach tissue and, um, put it on my chest. And so now I have what I call stoobes. They're my stomach boobs. (laughs) Maybe I should call them bummocks. I don't know. Because like they're stoops. like up Those are on. Fun. Those
0: sound like way more right? fun. Right?
1: Don't they? Stoops. Stoobies. It's the Stoobie <laughs> show. But um, yeah, no. I mean, so the body is crazy. It is wild. Like it is. I. So my boys, and my boys have seen. I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of they have seen it all. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a picture of my um, littlest when he was like two and a half. And when they sent home like all the implants with me to look at, yeah. I have a picture of him like playing with him on the kitchen counter. <laughs> a lot of people would say like, that's inappropriate or I can't believe that your kids have seen your boobs or you talk about boobs so much. You talk about, you know, when I had C. diff and I would crap my pants all the time. <laughs> but like, I just, I want them to know that it, like what really has happened. And then also to know that again, it's miraculous and that we can all come back from wherever we are. Nothing really is that permanent. I mean, yes, I have scars that are Mm -hmm. there, but um, my relationship with my body, you know, when I was in high school, I dealt with disordered eating and body image issues and all the way through, I'd say a little bit through college. And after having babies, I definitely – felt more at peace with my body Mm -hmm. but now I love my body and not that's not to say like I look in the mirror and I'm like yeah this is a and bod you know (laughs) or like "Hmm, I'm probably gonna get a modeling contract it it's weird (laughs) it has like nothing to do with how it looks but how I feel about it Mm -hmm. and how I feel about it is it's a miracle and I think we all feel that way We just don't recognize it every day. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I feel like that's a really good segue to talk about the fact that in addition to all of these things, you also wrote a book.
1: I did write a book. As you know, you do. As one does.
0: And it's called Wear the Damn Swimsuit. Mm -hmm. And we'll include information on our Facebook page about how maybe you can score this free autographed copy
1: Mm -hmm, of Wear mm -hmm. the Damn
0: Swimsuit. It is an incredible read. (laughs) Um... And
1: I will say... It's She's not biased at all, right? No,
0: it's it's fantastic. It's a, like you'll not want to put it down. You'll be laughing. You'll be crying. You'll be wetting your pants. It's awesome. But um, I mean, I think that that's kind of along the same lines in terms of body acceptance, mm-hmm. celebrating your body, hence the title, Wear the Dream right. Swimsuit. But can you talk to us a little bit about your motivation to write this book? and?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, lying. I'm going to cry again probably because I do when I talk about it, but... Each year um, post cancer, um, you kind of have your cancerversary, which is the day that you kind of consider when you got when you got diagnosed, mm-hmm. and then you have your survivorship date, is what I would call it. And so, my survivorship date is the date of my bilateral mastectomy, um, because that is the date they would say that you were clinically either cleared or not cleared, right? So, or path- pathologically cleared. So in 2016, three days after my 34th birthday, I went in for my bilateral mastectomy. And at that point, they declared that they felt like there was only a microscopic amount of anything they could see. And so I was technically cancer-free is what Mm -hmm, my doctor calls mm -hmm. it. Everybody has different verbiage. Some people call it NED, no evidence of disease. Some people say like you're just not fighting active cancer. But I was cancer-free. And so at that point then, um, I went through, um, radiation after that. And then I had another couple of surgeries, but a year out, I decided that I was going to do something crazy every year on my survivorship date that was like facing a fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, um, went skydiving and it was awesome. And I recommend it to anybody, even (laughs) if you have little kids, but if you've like, Go splat. It's not on me. Um, <laughs> but then um, after the next year, I uh, played my guitar and sang in public. And I am not a good. Oh, you are. No. Yes. No, are. no, 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 no. Like truly. This is like every, the like top 10 songs that would be the easiest to learn if you Googled it. That's like what I did. But I wanted to do that to show my kids that if you love to do something, as an adult, you should still keep doing it. So as an, I feel like sometimes as adults we're like, mm, that's cute. The kids have dreams or hobbies, right. but like, like yeah, the kids get to do everything. We yes. talked about this
0: too. Like, oh, you get to take guitar lessons and find your path and live your dreams. Yes. Well, you are you ever really too old for that? No. I, I think that's exactly right. We're like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for something. Exactly. You know, I'm gonna learn something new.
1: Exactly.
0: But I think as adults we're often afraid to be bad at things yes mm-hmm.
1: so that was the big thing was saying I know I can acknowledge that this is not like American Idol quality because that's what kids see right yeah. they see like people out that are phenomenal those mm-hmm. are the people that are on TV or on Instagram or whatever doing the things yeah and so it's saying like no you don't have to be fame worthy you can you can still go do it yeah so then the next year um was the year that I decided I was gonna write this book and so that's what I did and I um I've struggled a lot with writing over the years because again everybody's a writer nowadays and so no but I you can see I mean it's just like it's still uncomfortable for me to um even acknowledge that (laughs) I'm not good at promoting the book or anything or whatever, but I did it because at the time I had had the blog, but I had all these thoughts of what I felt felt like I had kind of learned through having cancer as a young mom and through motherhood. And I wanted it for my boys Um, because in the first, I would say in the first four years, um, I was on endocrine therapy um, still. So I got Lupron shots every month to suppress my ovaries. And then I would take a pill every day. And I'm just now done with that therapy and figuring out just how much that impacted my emotions mm-hmm. and my mental state and everything. But I think I just always the facing the fear was partially for me to to say, like, I've had cancer and I'm not going to back down from life. Like, I'm going to do the things that scare me. And I want my kids to see that it is scary for me to do these things. Mm-hmm. It is terrifying to put your words in a book because you can't it's out there. take it back. Mm-hmm. And people are going to Google review you or whatever. And you have to say, like, I feel I like doing this enough that I'm going to do it. And I want them to always know that, that they can shine their light, whatever that light is. I mean, hopefully it's not like, you know, selling drugs, but... <laughs> like they hey can, if you're really good at it right but like no. <laughs> that's your thing but like I want them to know like doesn't matter what life throws at you as long as you've got a heartbeat like do the th- shit do the mm. things um and embrace it and wear the damn swimsuit and I had written an article um on my blog about a year and a half or a year out for my um my uh cancerversary and it was this wear the damn swimsuit and it was me talking about how I spent so much of my life hating my thighs and um, not wanting to get in the pool or the, the lake or wanting to be seen because I was embarrassed. And it's like, for what, what did I miss out on? I missed out on stuff because I was so worried about what my thighs rubbing together looked like to somebody else. Nobody else gives a shit, I'm telling you. They're all just worried about themselves. Exactly. <laughs> we are all very concerned about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that should be make us feel better. But I just think, I, I just felt like I needed to write the book. And so I did it. And I say now, like, my oldest just started um, getting to read some of it. He's 12. And I'm slow with it because it's hard to relive mm-hmm. some of it for for all of them. Yeah. Um, and then also because it talks about boobs and poop, so, you know. <laughs> Which is yeah. really the recipe for a good
0: book. Eh? Right? <laughs>
1: right? boob shit, baby spit, all the things. <laughs>
0: well, I love this. Well, thank you so much. And again, if if you're not the lucky winner of this book, I highly recommend that you pick it up. It is a quick read because you won't want to put it down, but I feel like it's one that, I mean, it's, it's a life changer. It'll change the way you think about things, so I highly recommend it, and I... Can't thank you enough for writing it and putting it out in the world for the rest of us.
1: Well, I feel the same about, honestly, do feel the same about you choosing to do the podcast. Um, I think that, I think as women specifically, um, when we're in our child rearing years, we are so, we can be so focused on them that we forget that we have all this sort of knowledge to impart and share that somebody else might be able to take away And that is where like the magic happens is when we start to work as a community. And so I appreciate that you're willing to put this out there and be a resource for people and use all of your knowledge and then bring on people like the guests you've had. I mean, now me included, but no, like the guests you've had and just help people feel like it's all okay. Yeah,
0: right. It it took me a long time to even learn that and I still... Have to remind
1: myself, of right? That and we're gonna have but... to remind ourselves every day, right? It's like every not something It's <laughs> like uh, we're on fifty-first dates in Millerhood, <laughs> I feel like just forget every day.
0: Well, thank you, Ashley, so much.
1: No, thank you very much.
0: So I'm gonna move on to our next segment, the Ask Me Anything oh, yes. portion. So these these will be a little change of gears. You know, it's November now, Thanksgiving month. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of questions. Number one is from Maggie. What is your go-to holiday dish? When you have to make something,
1: okay. I love this question because I am a youngest child, so
0: you never have to do anything. Mm-mm. Is that right? Mm-mm. That's what every oldest child is like. Of course, uh-huh. Ashley doesn't have to bring anything. Right. I
1: right? hate <laughs> telling people this. Um, when I go to my in laws, the last couple of years, I have made like a cranberry um, s- salad relish stuff like from scratch, like the it's- cranberry sauce. Yes. I honestly only
0: like that kind that comes out okay. shaped like the can.
1: I've never eaten that. Because I'm I was so afraid of it as a kid.
0: It was not, it was part of our like school lunches. We would get this like oh. cut circle of <laughs> yes. cranberries. And so now I'm like, why is this so chunky? Like, like is it cranberries, is it, is it beets? Is it cranberries or yeah. is it beets? Uh, so I'm all
1: like, Do you have the can one? Like just So I make one, it's just like cranberries, orange juice orange zest lime it's Sounds super delicious. easy you boil it all and then let it set up and it was one of the first like um non-bland because it's kind of tart foods yeah. that jonah my middle would eat and he's had a lot of like <laughs> i don't know idiosyncrasies about food sure. he's a stuffer and he has some sensory stuff so i think um, when I found that he would eat that, I was like, I will make that every year. So I do take that to my in-laws. My mom often makes it for our house. And then, um, my parents still cook the whole meal and Adam's parents still cook the whole meal. And otherwise I take, I always take the rolls.
0: I was going to say that too. I was like, I feel like when it comes to those group things, my two routes are number one. Can I get, bring the rolls, <laughs> which will just be from the grocery store. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, or a pie also also from, from Costco. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or if I'm really going to make something, it's mostly just something I know I will love like Brussels sprouts. Oh, right. That I think maybe wouldn't have made it onto the menu otherwise. So it's it's all like very self-serving, like very easy or like, this is what I want to eat. Do you
1: eat anything really? Does your family do any, either of your families do anything really interesting?
0: Uh, so I would say, so here's our other confession is that my actual like nuclear family we are not enormous fans of the Thanksgiving meal like I feel like uh I did brine a turkey the other year which was I I thought was a big deal I bought some kit though and I did and I thought really fancy but I I just think it's a little I feel like I'm gonna get hate for this but I feel like the Thanksgiving meal is a little overrated it's like the most beige kind of bland meal there is
1: so um this is I don't disagree I mean usually if you look at the plate it's like it's like stuffing beige. brown turkey it's like white, white
0: mashed potatoes stuffing yes turkey gravy rolls mm-hmm. you know and then maybe the brussels sprouts if i was feisty mm-hmm. um which is fun. i mean you know whatever there is some nostalgia i think to that sure but i would say so the other thing and this is like total confession and maybe even circles back to something we talked about earlier about accepting help is i love to cook um but i actually be going back to like the the holidays being about togetherness and just hanging out um, that we are actually going to, we're going to be out of town for Thanksgiving. And we've kind of done that more frequently for the holidays. We'll just kind of skip town. And uh, I found a lady that will like make you a meal the day before that you basically just have to heat up. Oh,
1: that's amazing.
0: Right. And so, and so then we were also able to, she, she made all kinds of fun things like, brisket and chili mac and cheese and I was like oh like things I wouldn't even have thought of and so that is not traditional and it definitely you know isn't the and I think it's fun too on the flip side have I spent like had the whole family where you spend the whole day together cutting and that's fun too because it's that togetherness but um knowing my family at this stage that's
1: probably not how my kids would want to spend the whole day so that's the other thing. It's like I'm always amazed by how much time it takes. And then everybody eats in like four minutes, yeah. if that if the kids are all like, I want to go. now they're at the age where they want to spread out and go do what they want to do. And totally. the cousins are all around. So it's like, so you've cooked for 84 hours and we're all going to taste it and then unbutton our pants and then like... And then
0: that's it. Yeah, have totally. takes a nap. Totally. So, so, and I mean, I think that, that that leaves the like option if we want to make something ourselves and add to it. Yeah. So I can just go with the vibe. But I think that just goes to, you know, I, I know that a previous version of myself would have kind of thought that like, I shouldn't be doing that.
1: Again, though, like what is... What becomes like our thing at our table is what our family does, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that's, that's great. We have, we also want to change our habits over the years so that our kids feel like they want to be there. Totally. They want to hang out with us.
0: And I just love it because I think, you know, I'm not going to then, it's not going to be a stressful experience for me right. at all. And I can just spend the day hanging out with my family. Yes.
1: So. And yeah. then the day after, do you do we always do chili because there's like a oh. well Nebraska we used plays to Iowa just do the usually, leftovers? So yeah. No, I mean you know, I don't have any
0: particular day okay. after, but
1: Oh yeah, I you have like it. the sandwich with the moist maker totally. or whatever. Like <laughs> Seinfeld or quote something.
0: T- quote that oh, right. All right. Second question. Um, from Sheila. What are you most grateful for this year?
1: Oh my gosh. That is really hard. I would say this year I'm most grateful for we I would uh, pretty commonly most thankful for my health um, the health of my family and that my husband and I both still have I I hate saying it that way but we both still have two sets each have our parents totally um, and siblings and you know we're not in the age yet where we're taking care of our parents or or things like that I think so yeah I health and and access to food Mm. you know I've I heard recently not to again like I hate I don't want to make this like so it doesn't age well or whatever they say about a a podcast or something but I think I heard on the radio that this should be the most expensive Thanksgiving um, ever because just the rising cost of food yeah yeah and so Just, you know, I'm most thankful that for us that we have access to food and being able to have those meals around the table. But I think you make such a good point about, like, doing different – not necessarily having to have the turkey and everything because, really, you just hope that families will be able to gather together.
0: Totally. Well, and that, I think, you know, never in our lives have we probably been so grateful
1: for just that. Accurate.
0: I mean – the last couple of years have taught us to not take that for granted. Right. I don't think that would have occurred to me ever.
1: Yeah, before. I do say sometimes I feel like cancer was a good like precursor to COVID because I, I was like, to stay inside, whatever. And stay away from My <laughs> life's already been shut down. I've already had the like stop sign, and you know you can't go yet. But um, yeah, I think just I'm mostly grateful to get to be here and get to experience it all. So,
0: I was thinking about that and. This year, I would say I think it sounds a little strange, but I feel like this year I and even as a family, we kind of really i prioritized our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no huge cause for that, except for, I think, just recognizing that as something that you can specifically focus on. And at least for me personally, I think that what came from that was just an element of mindfulness Mm -hmm. that I didn't even realize I didn't have until I started to have it. And I know some of it's just, you know, my kids are older and I think when your kids are small and you're working and you know, you, you're just always go, go, go. And I was never in the moment. Right. I was always to-do list. I was always, what's the next? Anticipating, there's no downtime. If I have downtime, I'm just, I need to just work towards the next thing that needs to be done. And I mean, to give myself some grace for that, somebody always needed something, Right, right. and
1: you were also in residency and then being a pediatrician. And your husband was also in residency. So, like no, I, I mean, think so about I, it, I'm, I'm not like blaming myself. You guys are a little reason. bit of rock stars over there, but
0: but at the same time, it's like you, you know, you kind of like once you get that chance, you start to realize like this is actually all there is. Mm-hmm. All there is are these moments, and if I'm missing them, that's it. What well, I'm right. well, I'm going to get to die and just you know, be in the middle of my to-do list. That's, right. It's not the life I want to live. So I think for me, that was the biggest thing I was grateful for. And then I think once you start being able to focus on that as a parent, you start to be able to focus on harvesting that in your kids or prioritizing that in your kids. Um, and I'm, you know, when you look back, you're like, oh, I wish I had felt like this sooner. But at the same time, I'm just grateful to say, like, I'm, I'm so thankful to have this perspective right now which, of course, is something that's forever a developing and growing experience. But, and then to hopefully be able to assist my kids with in, in discovering that mm-hmm. or, or kind of just honing those skills earlier than I did.
1: Yeah. No, that's, I think also the willingness. Um, again, sometimes people can look at any person and think, like, well, that person has it all together. And, even in a time where I think we're more aware of the fact that we do that and some people are saying don't do that but um, I think it's great for you to acknowledge and and open up that the conversation about mental health and to say like again mental health doesn't mean I looked at myself and said I was crazy and needed to right. go get medicine it, it means um like so many different things and so understanding what impact that has and how that's change your life for the better that's a huge um that's a really good message to share I think
0: well I think in just reducing the stigma about yes. it th- if that's the one thing I can pass on to my kids is it's like this is this is useful for every single Absolutely. human being. there's nobody that doesn't suffer with maybe you're not fitting a diagnosis of some sort but we all have struggles and anxieties and all these things and The worst thing you can do is make it not okay to address it and take care of it.
1: I was talking to somebody um, because I, this surgery that I just had, I'm on a restriction right now where I can't use my core for eight months. Um, And so I can basically walk. That's like the only thing I uh, exercise I can do. So before, my favorite type of exercise is yoga. It's my very favorite. And that's one of them that's pretty much off the table right now. But it's interesting because I was talking with my therapist about this and she's like, well, you can still like meditation Mm -hmm. is going to be just as good for your body, not just like for your whole Mm -hmm. body as like doing yoga, right? So taking that out of it and knowing that even if physically you're limited in doing things, you can still find the ways to to get right with it. And so I thought that was like, a good reminder too because I think we look at somebody else and we think like they're – well, they're out there doing CrossFit every day or whatever, (laughs) and I can't do that. Like a new mom. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I don't have time to do that. How am I going to do that? Well, no, but you can find a – honestly, you truly with the – with podcasts and all the things on YouTube that you could find now, you could find like two minutes for mindfulness a day Mm -hmm. and you might be well-served to figure out if that's helpful. Absolutely. You know? So –
0: Well, thank you so much, Ashley. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: I loved it. Loved every second. It's probably more seconds than it needed to be for you, but you know, I loved loved it it all. I
0: loved it all. (laughs) And thank you for joining us on another episode of Feeding the Family. Uh, We hope that you'll hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes, and we'll see you next Monday.